0: So, hello and welcome to the Elevating Voices in Leadership podcast. The podcast is brought to you in partnership with Cumberna University's Graduate School of Education and Psychology. I'm Dr. Gabriella Miramontas, your host. With me today are my co-hosts, Dr. Maria Brahme, Dr. Asya Ghazi, Dr. Sonia sharif Ripard um, And our guest today is uh, Dr. Nicole Jones. Dr. Nicole Jones is a mental health consultant for Children's Institute. A nonprofit organization that provides services to children and families healing from the effects of family and community trauma within LA's most challenging na- neighborhoods. Uh, previously, she was responsible for projects in the areas of marketing, event development, talent management, and production for no- notable media, entity radio, free 102.3, KJLH, and B and BET Network. Her media experience includes the Los Angeles Sentinel newspaper where she was engaged in social justice journalism. She has been an education advocate that focuses on improving student attendance, engagement, achievement, graduation, and helping students who were having challenges in the school setting through prevention, early intervention and intensive intervention. She specifically worked with students who experienced difficulties in achieving their academic potential due to social emotional trauma and family barriers. Dr. Jones earned her master's in social work from CSU Dominguez Hills, and she earned her doctorate in organizational leadership from Pepperdine University. Dr. Jones is the founder of the Career Women Network Professional Development Consulting Agency that caters to and supports the professional and personal development of young women in the greater LA area. Currently, Dr. Jones is an adjunct professor at Pepperdine University's Graduate School of Education and Psychology. Welcome, Dr. Jones.
1: How are you? Hi everyone, I'm well. Thank you so much for that introduction. Oh, <laughs> you're very welcome. So glad to be here. Thank you so much. So, Dr. Jones, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. Yeah, so I am Nicole Jones, Dr. Nicole Jones, born and raised in Los Angeles. Um went to Crenshaw High, you know, full of thoroughbred LA girl. And my journey actually as read in the bio, I was want or wanted to be the next Oprah. It was actually journalism was my thing. And so my undergrad, I did broadcast journalism. I went to CSU Monterey Bay. So I did a lot of radio and a lot of writing for the newspaper up there. And then my mom was like, well, maybe you might want to get into something that's a little bit more lucrative, give you some money. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. And so then I looked into, and this is when I started looking to master's programs. And so social work was not something I was on my radar at all. And so my mom was like, well, you never know, you know, just try it out. There are different sectors and mothers know best. So I definitely looked into that and I, uh, my emphasis was in community mental health. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the whole experience. Uh, I worked. I've worked with all of the ages, all of the populations, zero to five to adults. And it was just a really great experience, very humbling and reflective experience. And then from there, came to Pepperdine to earn my doctorate in organizational leadership. And the two degrees just meshed beautifully together and just helped me kind of transition into the career that I have now, which is a mental health consultant. And kind of just, I've kind of dabbled in a lot of different things where I am now. So even program development, which was really great because that actually turned into my dissertation. So it just kind of all came together. It was perfect. <laughs> so when you say that you're a mental health consultant, what does that entail? Okay. So it's kind of, it's very layered, Dr. Gabby. So as mental health consultant, as far as like the professional term, but Overall, generally what I do, I'm a social worker for the schools. So what I do is I go into the school and I handle the very hard cases that we see, right? In the zero to five population with the demographic that I serve, um I go into the schools if they have aggression if they have abuse if they have neglect like those are the things that I work with and the consulting piece comes with the with the teachers because the teachers don't necessarily have the scope of practice that I have to see these behaviors see these symptoms see these signs so that's where the consultation comes in to just kind of um reel in the classroom management piece wonderful
2: Do you, um, forgive me if you mentioned this already, but um, so do you work with
1: all age groups uh, within the schools then? So no, right now I'm in the zero to five population. And when you're working with that uh, population, Dr. Brahma, you're really, really working with the parents, not so much the children because the children are just reflections of their parents. So I work with the parents a lot, but I have worked with all of the age ranges since I've been in the social work field.
2: And so, would you meet at, since this is part of the schools, is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, hmm So, um, would you meet at the school, I think you said that, or at the parent's, the child's home, or how does that, how's that set up for you?
1: Uh-huh. So, depending on the age. So, if the student is in school, usually we have, like, Head Start programs that start at two, two to five, or we have early Head Start programs that are, like, Infant to two. So if the child is at the Head Start site, I'll go to the school site and see what's happening there. However, sometimes the child might be at home. And so I would have to do a home visit. So it just depends on how the situation looks.
2: So um are there it's you know, these age groups are just such little babies. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, do they uh, what, so what's the setting then? Do you have like a a meeting room where you meet with the parents or, or how, how does that, how does it, um, I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, like the comfort of the parents and how they, how you, um, arrange, you know, a a comfortable space for them. I'm sure there's a lot of trauma already in their lives. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Again, it depends on the setting. If I'm at the home, that's you know that's their home. That's what they do. We're trained to come into their space and meet the client where they are, if that is where I have to be. If it's the school setting, then absolutely. If the, we have a play therapy room, we have a class, a vacant classroom, we have my office, like however, whatever it looks like. I definitely make them feel comfortable for sure. It's not this like intense situation, unless we have to have like a meeting with all of our content area with the school psychologists and the education team. And they're called um, multi-dimensional meetings. And so when we have those meetings, those can be a little intimidating for the parent if they haven't um, been in one before to talk about their child's behavior. But other than that, it's pretty, I try to make I try to make it a vibe and, you know, just have them be relaxed and just kind of tell me their story and meet them where they are.
2: Beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned your dissertation a little bit. So tell us about the topic and um, give us a brief overview, including your findings and all that.
1: Sure. So with, so with my dissertation, it was, about burnout. Because when we, and I say we, speaking of my cohort, right? But when we were in, when we were in the program, burnout was a very trending topic. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how it was going to go. And with the help of all of you, Dr. Rahman, Dr. Gabby, um I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And so being in the setting that I was in, or that I am in with my school, or with my career, a lot of the teachers were just Burnt out. They were so burnt out with, again, the demographic that we serve, a lot of the concerns, a lot of the problems, the students' behaviors, a lot of the trauma that Dr. Rame kind of brought up. The teachers were just done. And so, with that, my supervisor was like, okay, you all need to go into the classrooms and kind of just talk to them. And again, that's where that consultation piece is coming because. The teachers also were dealing with a lot of trauma because we're dealing with teachers who live in these communities with these students and their families. So it's it's all connected. And so we go in or I go in and I talk to to the teachers and see what's really happening here. And the common theme that I started to hear throughout all of my sites were we're burnt out, we can't take it. we have no one to talk to. It's a lot of stress, which turned into a lot of absenteeism, Was turned into a lot of people not coming and talking about retention and things like that. So I was like, oh, I see a gap here. like something, you know, something needs to happen here. And so with that, it turned into a program where, it was the wellness learning community. And overarching, it it began as kind of like group therapy for the teachers, but actually turned into a pilot program for an actual program that I put into my dissertation. And these were teachers, like real teachers that I interviewed and talked, you know, got their stories and things like that. Obviously did my research from the literature to see what burnout really was, how it looked, how it presented in the workspace, how it connected to the personal life. And it just kind of just turned into this thing. The pilot program is still, it's not a pilot program anymore. We're still doing it. And so it's been very successful for the teachers at the Head Start program.
0: So how... um Let's see. How can I phrase this? How, you know, you created a program, a project at the end of it. Um, Is that the one that you've put into place? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. the wellness learning community. How useful was it going through that exercise? Like creating this program model, this whole
1: process as part of your findings that then you implemented within your setting? Mm -hmm. So how, how, purposeful was it like did it work did it work okay yeah so it definitely worked in terms of having the teachers have a space right because that's where the gap was and that's what I kept hearing you know we don't have anyone to talk to we have so much going on and it wasn't just again their personal life it was coming into the professional workspace where they were having issues with other teachers and things like that like regular problems or even bigger problems that could you know, transcend to the students and classroom management. So it started to become a bigger issue. And so with that, having that space for them definitely worked and was purposeful because they felt like they had a place, a safe space to vent, and it was a safe space for them. However, it wasn't just a therapy session or it wasn't just a venting session. We had actual or I had actual facilitated um, activities for us to do, whether that looks like leadership building, whether that looks like mindfulness or meditation, really tactical interventions that they can use and kind of just stop and pause when they were feeling these things that I would talk to them about and giving them those practical interventions or those practical things to do when they couldn't regulate or what have you. Because a lot of the, a lot of the, teachers you know when presenting the information to them whether that was about anger whether that was about you know regulating your emotions how to cope how to self-soothe they didn't really know how to do these things and I'm like whoa okay because you would think like as adults we know how to regulate we know how to do these things but no it was like really new to them and they enjoyed it
0: how did you decide which activities or what what to recommend or mm-hmm. the tools or things like that
1: so in the beginning it was just kind of let's just try this out you know so we would do a lot of different leadership activities team building things with them and then as the sessions went on cuz it was about eight sessions over the course of a semester so as the sessions went on and we had these conversations you would see the teachers kind of take the meeting and create it themselves they would start bringing things into the room and so if they wanted to talk about grief if they wanted to talk about friendships, if they wanted to talk about divorce, depending on whatever was the hot topic that someone brought into the session, we would gear it to them because it's catered to them. It's not just, I'm here, we're going to do this, this, and that. No, this is for you. So if they felt they wanted to have the space to talk about grief, whatever they were grieving at that time, let's talk about that. And then I would just kind of cater the activities to that. But in the beginning, it was me just trying out different things. Okay, will they like this leadership practice? Will they like this particular mindfulness activity just to kind of gauge the room? But as the sessions went on, they kind of created um the lesson for themselves. And I just kind of followed the lead of the teachers.
2: So I'm curious. Um it's so exciting that directly in <laughs> <from> your <laughs> dissertation, you have this program all set up. Um, and I wonder um um was it as easy as you expected or um, that actual process of getting your program going? Like, Mm -hmm. did you know who to go and talk to, to um, maybe since you're in the environment anyway, you kind of knew sort of where, how to do it?
1: Yeah. So Dr. Brahman, that's an excellent question because the reality is it was kind of brought to me. (laughs) So I was like, okay. And it just, and it it even fascinates me to this day how it just all came together cuz i really didn't know what i wanted my dissertation to be about and it just kind of fell into my lap and so the education team at my um at my agency they brought the idea like hey our teachers are feeling this is there any kind of way again the scope of practice right so they come to the mental health group or Uh, the mental health specialist to see okay how can we incorporate some type of therapeutic setting or personal development setting here and it was just kind of brought to us and so i just took the lead on i said okay hey let's let's see what's up let me use my my um social work skills and let's put this together and so that's just kind of how it happened and so as far as the program development like how did we choose the participants how did the whole thing just come about it was more so, it wasn't like, okay, we want this person, we want this person, we want this person. It was more like, okay, let me make a flyer, right? Let me just introduce it to the to the schools. And if the teachers are interested, they're interested. There was never a thought in my mind that they would not be, because again, I had already kind of did my research to know that this is what they wanted. They wanted a space to talk. They wanted this. So when the flyers were created and the announcements were made, we actually had an overwhelming um an overwhelming amount of teachers who actually wanted to participate, but because it was a pilot program, I could only choose a certain amount, so how that went, it was a team of us, and we just kind of read through why they felt they would want to be in it, and then we just kind of went, went from there, and then because it was such an overwhelming um, amount of teachers who wanted to do it, we just said, okay, we'll take the first group, and then we'll do the second group, so we knew we were going to have another group.
2: Wow, that's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> fantastic success. Yeah, thank you so much for that.
1: Yeah, thank you. You know,
2: I'll go ahead and and, um, ask also, um, can you talk a little bit about the what the setting is like for the teachers? Are the discussions moderated? um, Some of those details?
1: Sure. So, so a day, right? So, or a session. So usually I'm a morning person. So I would have all the sessions start in the morning and it kind of, for me, that was important because I know how I set the tone for my day. I get up, I do my meditation, I do my gratitude, whatever that looks like just to get my immune system regulated to start me off with a great day. So I always felt that, you know, this program or this, these sessions would be great to start off in the morning before this the teachers, you know, either got to the classroom or if they were already in the classroom, they wouldn't be there so long so that they could still set the tone for their day. So it would be in the morning. And so once they come in, I would obviously have like some coffee, some donuts, whatever the case. And then we would start off with just a check in. Hey,
3: how you doing?
1: How are you? What's going on? And sometimes, depending on the the tone of the teachers, we would go straight into whatever they wanted to talk about. Or if everybody were okay, okay, let's do a meditation exercise just to get everybody's mind cleared. And then I always had a lesson. Like I always had something planned, but every session wasn't like that. It just like I said in the beginning, sometimes they would create the session themselves and I would just follow their lead because I feel like that's what they really wanted to talk about. And it's for them, it's not for me. So I wanted it to, I want again, I wanted them to feel safe to talk and let them know this is for you, but I'll always have something planned out. So if I had something planned, again, we would do like leadership activities, we will talk about anger, how do we regulate? Because I'll say something like our state regulates the kids state right so if you are good then the kids are going to be good which means the classroom is good and then the classroom management is great and we have happy teachers we have happy students and we're learning so it's all a domino effect and so then we will go based off that we will set ground rules you know respect over everything whatever the ground rules they created it was their time and so Again, I would have lesson plans depending on what week it was. We would talk about grief. We would talk about um, leadership. We would talk about self-soothing. We would talk about self-care. I always had a topic, but if they came in and wanted to talk about something else, that was cool too.
2: Awesome. Awesome. And I'll, I'll ask one more question right away. I don't want to dominate <laughs> the whole conversation, but it's so fun to listen to. So can you, um, since you were in a program uh, organized? organizational leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, What kinds of leadership exercises might you have um, or lessons um, for your uh, teacher students?
1: Yes, so the most popular one is the Mm -hmm. North-South-East-West leadership activity. I can't off the top of my head. I don't know who formulated or anything like that. I just know that I did it actually in my Pepperdine program. <laughs> so I was like, this is awesome. And um, Dr. Ebony Kane actually introduced the activity to me. And it's it's been the most popular one because it shows so many different dynamics. It doesn't just show your leadership style and how, you, and how you work with people, but it shows other people's leadership styles and how you work with them and how they work with you and the things you need to work on in order to work collaboratively or harmoniously with this other person and I really enjoy doing that one and the student teachers do as well because again it's more self-reflective it's not about oh I can't work with you or you can't work with me but it's more like okay these are my strengths these are my weaknesses so I know that if I'm working with a north who might be a little bit more direct and I'm a south and I'm a little bit more timid and shy I'm probably going to work best with someone who's an east you know Mm -hmm. and I'm going to accordingly, or I'm going to present myself accordingly. And for someone like myself, who's a very, very North person, I know that I have to work with a South leader in a different way. So it's very, again, like I said, heavy on the self-reflection. And that's probably the most popular one that I do with the student teachers.
2: Wow. That's so cool. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank Thank you so much.
0: Dr. Jones, do you work with one district? And I'm not asking you to disclose if you can. not But do you work with one district or with multiple districts?
1: So, no, it's not a district. It's just the, it's LACO. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you work with anyone
0: related or anyone that's part of the LACO infrastructure, if you will?
1: Yeah, so they're like our umbrella. So it's the Office of Head Start. So it's Head Start, Um, but they are our umbrella. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, wow. So on average, well, I don't even know what the average would be because Laco, I mean, L.A. County is huge when it comes Mm -hmm. to programs and schools and Head Start programs.
1: Yeah, so my, so if we're talking a location, I'm in South L.A. That's where my people are. That's where my sites are and um that's the demographic that i work with got it okay
0: so as you were going through your academic journey like mm-hmm. the entire uh, well except for the broadcasting to begin with cuz yeah. it seems like you started there and then you kind of took a left turn that journey um a lot of people when when you think about our journey when we we talk about leadership it always sounds like a linear process but clearly it never is so Tell us a little bit about the left turns in your journey.
1: Yeah, so the left turns. Um, So my mother, <laughs> she's a very, very, she's my compass. Okay, let's just put it like that. She is the compass here. So, But the left turns that I've taken, I feel like mm, going from broadcast journalism from a very glamorous red carpet type of feel because I've done those things and then getting into like, how I, I say the trenches of the work, right? Being an advocate, being a change agent, it's two totally different worlds. And quite honestly, I love both of them. Like I love to dress up and be that, but I also love to be in the trenches advocating, doing what it is that I do, especially for the students, right? Because I think that, again, having worked with every population I've worked, in my favorite population might've been working in the juvenile halls, Seeing that and seeing that, okay, this 16-year-old who I'm working with in the juvenile hall, he is the same as this four-year-old that I'm working with in this preschool. Like this could potentially be the same person. And so understanding how much of an impact I have or our team or anyone has on these students at such a young age and the trajectory, right? So I don't necessarily think that these left turns have been like super left turns. I think they just brought me like to the right spot. But absolutely the left turns were learning, learning curves for sure. Cause then that helped me, okay, what do you really want to do? Um, it's it's it helped me find direction for my own purpose. And that's that's again, like you said, that's not linear. Like we never really stopped trying to find our purpose and where we're settled and. Satisfied and things like that, and so for me, it's just I'm still taking left turns, Dr. Gabby. Still taking these left turns, but I think that every one of them, whether dead end or somewhere I just got lost, I think that they helped me come back to okay. This is where I am. This is the space that I feel is the best space for me right now, and it's it's been okay because I know I I get that anxiety, and I think a lot of students. In it too, where it's like, okay, what now? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? I don't know. I don't know. And here I am, what, three years out of my doctorate program. And I'm just like, I'm still trying to find my rhythm, but I'm slowly finding that rhythm. And I think that if we kind of just take, take the pressure off, right, and have that imposter syndrome that comes with all of those left turns, like, and we just calm down a little bit, like, it'll be all good.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and I appreciate your perspective. I, I didn't mean to imply that left turns were bad turns. Um, I, you know, a lot of times I talk to a lot of different leaders and we talk about leadership as a linear progression. Like, oh, you know, you're going to go from A to B to C and eventually you'll get, you know, into this high level position. But the reality is that most of us have left turns. It's yeah. like, oh, you know, I started here and this looked interesting. And then I said yes to this other thing. And before I knew it, I ended up way over here and eventually I circled back and got back on track, whatever that might mean. And so journeys are never just from point A to point B. You can plan it all you want, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but what's the saying? You plan and God laughs. It's like-, like Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: So, I never like, thought that I would be in this profession ever. It was so, it was so left it was so left for me um I never thought that I would be in community mental health I never thought I'd be in the helping profession that I am and it's been it's been the best honestly like it's been the best experience and of course you know layering it with all of my leadership um leadership expertise it's just been it's been really great for me
0: that's wonderful so you mentioned something that piqued my interest. Uh, you said that your favorite, the favorite time in your career was working with juvenile halls. Oh uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're in the preschool environment. And so we all know that there's the preschool to prison pipeline as it pertains to uh, predominantly boys of color, but mm-hmm. you know, people of color. Um, are you starting, are you, do you see those connections since you've already worked with one population, now you're working with this other population. Do you feel like there's anything you can recommend or anything that we as a community can do to help mitigate that pipeline, to help kind of break it, if you will, mm-hmm. um, because it's too pervasive?
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. Um, so many thoughts. So many thoughts come to mind because it's very nostalgic for me because actually when I started my doctor program, that's something that I wanted to write it up, But it was so deep. <laughs> So deep <laughs> and you could just go so many ways and so I was like okay maybe not but that's still something that's near and dear to me and so your question do I see connections do I see something that can kind of dismantle this this thing and it's yes I do see it Dr Gabby and it's mentorship it's mentorship it's having those people whether that be a parent whatever caregiver or cousin or somebody in your life, for these young men or women or what have you to kind of have be a compass, right? Like I said, my mom, she's been that for me. Her and a plethora of other people, but her first. And so that's where it starts, especially again, being with the zero to five population. As I told Dr. Brown in the beginning, it's the parents. You know, it's the parent, it's the foundation. And so again, this career that I'm in is very reflective because I don't come from a lot of where my clients come from. So I have to kind of take a step back because I did have that compass and my mother and my father. And a lot of the students that I worked with don't have either. They don't have anybody and they're only like four and five. So it's like, where do they go? Who do they have? And because they don't have these structures put in place, these secure attachment structures put in place, they're kind of everywhere, which leads them down these different roads that might not be so good. I'm not saying everybody goes down a treacherous road, not at all. But for the most part, if we're just talking about the preschool to prison pipeline, it, it does happen. And I believe in what I've seen and what I've studied and where I am, that it's due to having the lack of those secure relationships of mentors. Wow.
0: Thank you for that. Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm curious, I'm loving all of this. Just so fun to talk to you. Um, couple of years after yeah you, you know seeing how uh, your work is amazing and you're flourishing um so i'm curious about this program that you have for teachers um is that just at one school that you've been no. oh,
1: okay. <laughs> no, it's actually for it's agency wide so oh. within my agency, there we all have different school sites that we go to. My team, right, the mental health team, it's about eight of us. And so we all have these different sites that we go to. However, all of these teachers are within the agency. And so, but I'm the only one on the mental health team. Of course, with my co-facilitators, which will be a part of my team, I'm the only one who kind of runs this program for the teachers. And so it's agency-wide.
2: Okay, so you're in charge of all the programs? Is that true or I'm
1: in charge of the Learn Wellness Learning Com- Wellness Learning Community program, which is the one that I created. And that's the only one. Yeah, for the agency. I get
2: it. I get it. Okay, okay. So, since it's um so successful, um do you have thoughts about introducing it in other uh, schools
1: then? You know what Dr. Brahme, I would love to definitely expanded or even how we talked about in the doctor program like consulting with other schools on how to probably build a program like this or Mm -hmm. even corporate right corporate wellness i was when i did the program i was just kind of like oh this is awesome i want to do in in doing my research for my dissertation seeing how so many companies have like yeah okay we have this wellness thing for you or we have this coupon or we have this gym But it's like, are they really invested in the wellness of their employees? Is there a program in-house that really takes, you know, their well-being to be their priority? And in my research, it wasn't a lot of programs. It wasn't a lot of companies who did that. So knowing what I know and being able to develop this program, I was like, maybe even corporate companies could benefit from something if not like this program, like step-by-step, but mirroring something like it for sure. I've thought about that, absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, Have you collected any information about outcomes
1: for teachers and- um, So when I was doing my dissertation, absolutely. (laughs) But now not so much, Um, not like recent studies. But because, again, burnout now, when we were doing, when I was doing a program, burnout was such a thing. It was becoming like, oh, I'm burnt out. It was it was a trend. It was a wave. And now, it's more like, okay, what are we doing about the burnout? And so, for me, I haven't researched anything. I'll see things here and there since my dissertation has been published or since I've written it. Um, however, recent studies, I, I hear it. I hear it where I am. I hear it with my colleagues. Like, We're tired. We need a vacation. Like, what are you know? What is our company doing for us? What incentives do we have? So I know that there's a need there for sure. But the research that I did again two three years ago on the pre and it was just specific to preschool or to teachers, right? That demographic, not so much like uh, corporate, um, like C suites or anything like that, or any other population, just teachers.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a kind of and this uh, this this kind of work is useful for everyone, <laughs> right? Um, um, the self reflection and um, yeah, there just isn't there just isn't enough of that. So yeah, yeah. Have you thought at all about how it might look to introduce your program elsewhere? <laughs>
1: Yes, I have thought about that. I've thought about in terms of like how I created the program with, you know, my team, obviously, and the help of the things that I've learned in the leadership program and my MSW program, I have I have a whole book, right, or at least a folder with all of these like agendas and program like I had to develop it I had to see what it was going to be I'm a very tangible person so yes I have this folder so where if I needed to present it somewhere or redesign it somehow to fit a particular company I could yeah. do that for sure
2: yeah yeah so cool um have you done any presentations about your um about your work
1: I have not, not yet. It's in the works, not yet though.
2: <laughs> well, there's a conference coming up,
1: <laughs> yes! and I was not, and that's, that's why I said I would love to be there. Um, like I'm talking to Dr. Gabby. and so okay. I've talked, and yes, yeah, so it's in the works, Dr. Ramay for sure.
2: <laughs> It'd be so fun, and yeah. you know, I think you'd get a lot of interest too. Um, so um, yeah, we're talking about the Hawaii conference then.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah because it will be there so um yeah and we're bringing a posse (laughs)
1: yeah I would love to be a part of that posse yes for sure (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah it's a great venue um with so many um attendees it's um really and it's well run super organized they've been doing it this is it's going to be over 20 years, right' Isn't that right? I think it was the 21st oh wow you know, that we just attended. So they've been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. um and I remember that I presented when I was um, in my doctoral program and um, it was it was really a great experience so yeah good good good. I'm glad that um, we've already <laughs> tapped you on the shoulder.
1: Yes and I am I' am receiving I am here for everything. So <laughs> So good.
2: Dr. Jones, what is your advice for those who want to be in
0: your
1: respective line of work? What do you recommend for others wishing to be a part of the space? For the like community mental health? Absolutely. Yeah. So, what I would say is you have to practice what you preach. Definitely have to practice what you preach. And don't be afraid. A lot of um, when I got into this program or into this career, a lot of my colleagues were afraid of, you know, running into things or running into people. And I, in doing this work, I've learned that it's just the trauma that we, right, as practitioners, as clinicians that we have faced, that we don't want to revisit because we know that trauma has memory. So what I would say to someone who wants to get into this work, be open and do the work on yourself, right? Do the work that you have to do for you so that you can be a vessel for the peop- for the community.
2: Thank you so much. That's empowering. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
2: Um, I'm, I was just curious if anything kind of unexpected has happened um, in, in terms of your program and um, what, what kinds of unexpected lessons have you learned? Or maybe there aren't any, maybe it's just smooth, smooth yeah. just as you anticipated because you really you did all the research and you you know, had it all together, um, but it's always interesting when there's sort of unintended, unintended learning, or um, that that could be very good. Um, yeah, so. mm-hmm.
1: I think where I had to pivot right was I mentioned it before. A lot of the clients coming into this career fear field, a lot of the people that I've met, colleagues, clients, supervisors, anybody, I had to realize. Dr. Rame, I was living in a bubble, right? A real privileged bubble, <laughs> a real privileged bubble, no matter, you know, I'm a woman of color, what have you, but I was still in this privileged bubble compared to the people that I was meeting, and interacting with. And so, unexpectedly, I was like, whoa, like, wait, what is happening here? And unexpectedly, I had to kind of check myself, you know, because again, Everyone doesn't have the experience or the parents or the education that I have or where I'm coming from. And so I really had to just humble myself unexpectedly. And again, self-reflect on the trauma that they have gone through that I don't even know about, that I could never relate to, never felt or anything like that. And so creating this program, again, understanding that I was in this privilege bubble and then unexpectedly come in and make creating this program for the teachers, understanding that they too, even though they're adults, have experienced trauma. And when they came into the space, unexpectedly having to share that space for them, understanding that no one has ever given them this space before and holding that responsibility unexpectedly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I could see how that could actually remind you of. Or should I say, um, confirm how incredibly important your role is with all these people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Gabby. So, uh, Nicole, I'm curious. Um, When we started this conversation, you said that you had certain techniques and strategies that you shared and that you were actually surprised that some of the, the teachers didn't know about these techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, can you share a little bit as to why you think they didn't know these techniques and what some of those
1: techniques were that maybe we could learn from so honestly dr gabby they're very you know and again i don't want to over generalize again i thought they were simple right so (laughs) it just seems like you know breathing self-soothing whether that whatever that looks like to you meditation praying like i know a lot of the people a lot of people are heavily you know spiritually based. And that's cool too. And so just being able to talk to someone, being able to express, I am upset or I am sad. I feel this way. Um, just having, I remember in one session, a client or a teacher brought up a situation where it was really impacting her and she really didn't know how to talk to the other person. And so I said, well, let's do a role play you know, let's role play here. And so in the clinical setting, you have have narrative therapy and you have the chair intervention where you are sitting across from someone, but they're really not in the chair, but you're imagining that they are and everything that you would say to them. And so that's one of the techniques that I've used uh, with the teachers that they did not know about because a lot of the teachers, they don't go to therapy. So, and they don't go because of the stigma behind it so a lot of the things again that I was like oh yeah everybody does this they had done nothing of it and so doing that chair activity role play you know she she'll see me today and it's thank you thank you so much because she didn't even know she could say those things out loud alone in a group a safe space let alone to the person you know, so being able to empower her in that way—not even empower her, but kind of meet her where she was already—and to know that you can do this. So those are the those again are the kind of experience I've had unexpectedly, Dr. Rame. and those are the kind of techniques that I have used, um, Dr. Gabby. So has
0: anything in 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 your in your recent and the recent aspect of your journey? Has anything stood out? Have you had any more aha moments? Have you
1: had anything
0: kind of just show up that you weren't expecting?
1: No, not recently. I think I'm still kind of riding the wave of, I think every day I'm reminded of the privilege and that alone will just kind of surprise you depending on what it is and what the situation is. But recently, no, I haven't had any aha moments. The only aha moment is to just always just be open and be self-reflective. I even my students that I, you know, when I teach, I tell them, you know, we have to be heavy on the self-reflection in this profession because we have to hold a mirror up to ourselves in order to be what we need to be for our community.
0: A uh, committee or committee. Co-hosts, are there any questions that you have for um, Dr. Jones? I know that Dr. Brome and I have been asking most of the questions and we don't want to just take up all the space. Dr. Jones, what's next for
1: you? Oh, so many things, Sonia. <laughs> so many things, or at least I'm, I'm hopeful that a lot of things are in store. So I would love to present at different conferences. I would love to do that. I would love to start writing my book, definitely want to do that. And, you know, as far as my own passion projects or company or what have you, like with the career woman that is a career coaching firm, counsel, you know, consulting firm that I want to do with or that I do do with high high school girls, because I think it's important, again, that mentorship, right? I've had mentors help me Along the way, my mom being the number one, but I've had other people behind her show me different things. And I feel like that's what I want to be to young girls as well, what they have been to me and kind of have them know, like, you can do this. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it takes a village for sure, but mentorship is something that I'm very, very passionate about. So hopefully what's next, like I said, the conference is a book elevating the career coaching firm and whatever else God has in store.
3: That's awesome. Amen to that. Um, Well, you said you wanted to write a book. And so when do you want to get this published? And what would the topic be about?
1: Yeah, so I would love, first of all, I would love to write a book about the wellness learning communities, right? So that different Companies can have a tangible handbook, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how it works. This is a model that we're going to try and just go from there. And I would also like to write a book in terms of like professional and personal development for those young girls who are on their way to college, on their way to even high school. You know, in high school, I had mentors who were talking about. Nicole, you have to wear this, and you have to do that, and you can't wear that, you know, to an interview. It's just certain things, certain etiquette that I think high school and early college women need to know. And I would love to write something like, you know, the true confessions of a career woman or something like that, you know, just to give them these tips on how to be professional and, and enhance their pre- uh, professional and personal development.
3: That's awesome. I love that. I love the idea of of helping um, young high school um, girls and college women, especially with the career trajectory and what we see today, um, especially with like the fact that talent acquisition needs a lot of change. And so mm-hmm. having, I guess maybe that's the next question too for me to ask you is because you are in that and you wanna help um, call you know, high school and college level women with their careers, what would be a suggestion that you would have for, recruiters and people out there that are looking to hire you know what is it that maybe you'd want to teach these women what would you want the recruiters to know about so that there's a seamless way of people being able to get their first jobs or be able to start their career
1: yeah so as far as it being seamless for the girls right for the high school or college women who are looking to get careers or looking to start their first job or what have you i would definitely talk about the importance of social media right especially in this day and age and appearance and reputation and how that follows you like we know that it follows you but i think the young girls they don't know to what depth it follows them and so i would really want to hone that in, like, you can have fun, you can do what you want, to, but however, know what the vision is, right, know what the goal is, know how you want to be seen, and understand that that's going to follow you, and I would start there, and so I feel like starting there, and getting them kind of on the right track to build up their resumes professionally, looking professionally, or what have you, then that would definitely have the recruiters right be like oh this is what we're looking for and that's where I come in right with the coaching okay this is what they're looking for this is what you need to say this is how you need to this is how you need to handle yourself this is how you need to present yourself and it just kind of go from there.
3: Amazing I love that I love that you I think it's going to be so phenomenal like everything that you're just putting together everything that you're doing you're really going to help out a lot of young women a lot of young young girls young women just trying to transition from high school and college into the real world and and I agree with you social media is something that they need to be aware about we have so many people um on social media and people seem to think that what they see on social media is true and it's really not it's just maybe like a little tiny bit of the truth right like not even (laughs) yeah yeah
1: Yeah, for sure and you bring a great point because I like to When that question, you know, when I get asked that question, well, how are you? And I feel like, again, social media is such a huge piece in our young generation, even it it trickles into like the older generation as well, but it's such a big piece because that's really all they know. And I want to obviously incorporate that mental health piece always, like I'm always Mm -hmm. incorporating the mental health piece, especially with the younger um, population, because it's important. They have a lot of anxiety. They have a lot of depression. The suicide rates are crazy. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, we don't have to go there. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to go there. So I always want to include that mental health piece, always.
3: That's amazing. Thank you so much for answering those questions. Yeah. Thank you for asking. And I'll share also that
2: we have a lot of resources. Um, I've got a lot of resources in the library here to help with uh, planning your publishing, uh, your writing, finding an editor, uh, or not finding an editor. That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say finding an appropriate publisher, exploring some of their the books that they're publishing. And um, we have a lot of guidance for that here in the library. So yeah. whenever you're ready.
1: I hear you, Dr. Bromley. Like I'm ready. I hear you. <laughs> hey, great.
2: Yeah. Well, let's have, have a conversation about it. Yes. So yeah, yeah, really happy to support you with that. That's and that's part of what our center is about, too, is really um you have already done the heavy lifting with getting your voice out there and creating this, you know, this doing this beautiful work. Um, and so we're here to support you in getting that. Um, getting that message, getting your work and um all of you, all that you have your your resources out there to help the population you want to help. So yeah, love to. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Dr. Rame. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, so fun.
0: So in the last few minutes we have Dr. Jones, is there anything you would like to close us out with? Anything you'd like to share about your experience, anything you've learned, anything you've taken away?
1: Mm-hmm. So my experience has been amazing. You know, I can't really say like I've had this tough journey or anything like that. And it's because of mentorship. It's because I've had, you know, great mentors, great teachers, great professors, great committee members, professors like you and Dr. Brown May, like just to be here and support me throughout my whole entire academic journey. I did not take any breaks. Um, I went straight from undergrad to um, graduate school, to the doctorate, so I took no breaks, and I can't say that I have any regrets about it. It was it was amazing. It was an amazing experience, and I think for me, my biggest takeaway is that we learn so many things about ourselves through this journey. It's not just academic; it's personal. And so for me, it's like I always tell myself, like, I am enough. I'm doing enough. I have enough. Right? Because I've done it. I've done it. And whatever, whatever is more like, it's just God's blessings. But if, if I did nothing else, like I've accomplished everything that I set out to do and everything else is just cherries on top.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being here and for sharing your journey and, and sharing your experiences. Um it, It's just hearing you speak to your purpose and your passion and the things you're doing now, just is so um, enlightening for me, if you will. Um, all right, colleagues, is there anything else you'd like to ask or is there anything else you'd like to close this off with?
2: Just thank you so much for spending some time with us today in this rainy day
0: here
2: in <laughs> um, Yeah. Just really good to see you and to hear you, and such a pleasure and congratulations on all that you've achieved.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Browning, Dr. Gabby. It's, it's been, like I said, it's been amazing. It's been great. And to have people like you still here supporting me and, you know, obviously my mom <laughs> and my dad. Yes. So, yes, it's, it's been great. It's been very nice. Thank you.
3: Now, thank welcome. you so much. Yeah.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: And we look forward to having you join us in, at HEIS in January. That's the Hawaii Yay! International Conference on Education. Um, we're partners with HICE as well, GSEP. Um, and so we're really encouraging students to participate, to present. It's a great conference. There's a lot of access and reach. So definitely, um, hopefully we'll see you there along with us and a few other people that have already said that they will be presenting there as well.
1: Yes, looking forward to it. Thank you so much. You're
0: very welcome. And
1: with that,
0: I'd like to thank everyone for being here today. Um, If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the um, like button or the subscribe button. Um, And have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, Thank you all. And we'll see you next time.